What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Deja Antonio podcast. My name is Jessica Davis. Of course, this is episode 17, and I don't quite have a title for it yet, but I know that I want it to be about how to balance work with self-care and making sure that you're taking care of your mental health needs first and, you know, your, your personal needs on the most fundamental level, um, because I have struggled with that my entire life. Um, I'm finding that it's more and more important as we get older, and I just think that a lot of people don't know how to balance properly, so we end up, you know, overworking ourselves or just becoming straight sloths. So um, I kind of just wanted to talk about, like, what's been working for me and what's going on in my life and how that differs versus compares to how it used to be for me. So uh, for a really long time, uh, I've been working two jobs, at, at least two jobs, actually, because I've worked three before. Um, I started working at 17, and I've had two jobs since, and then at one point I was going to school full-time also, but going to school full-time back then, this was in 2015, it was only two classes, but it was six credits and five credits, and anything over 10 is you know, classified as full-time. So it didn't feel like that much when I was also working two part-time jobs. Uh, But now, you know, I'm working one full-time job. I was working one part-time job and I was going to school full-time and I thought, I, I was like, I've done this before. I can do this. However, you know, school now consists of four classes and they're three credits each rather than that six and that five. So it was, it's a, it's a lot different. And so, I kept telling myself, I was like, yeah, I'm going to be able to do this. I can, I can do this. I've done it before, you know, with no problem. But as it turns out, it was not possible. And when I say not possible, like it was possible for me to go to all my classes. Yeah. It was possible for me to be physically present at my jobs that, yeah, of course it, it was possible, but to be productive and still to be efficient and still to be getting all my studying done and my homework done, it just was not going to happen. There were not enough hours in the day. And on top of that, I had no time for myself, zero time for myself. So I found myself kind of struggling. I felt like I wasn't being able to um, give 100% of myself at the efforts that I was giving, you know, at each of my jobs, I would, you know, I found myself complaining a little bit more. I was like wanting to put up with things less. I was less, you know, um, less patient, more intolerant, intolerant and, um, kind of just irritable all the time. Um, so I realized and realized quickly, might I add that something needed to change because, um, like I said, I could have enough time to, to go to all of these things, but I didn't have time to, you know, give a valiant effort toward each of these things. So I found myself not getting enough sleep and it just became a serious issue. So I gave notice to one of my jobs and um, it's the bakery job. They were so sweet and totally understanding, of course, because, you know, my, my boss loves me, but... Um, it's just really hard to break the news to someone like that because, you know, in every, um, kitchen or bakery that I've worked at, I kind of have always had a woman chef. And so I take on a role as almost like a daughter. And so I looked at her kind of as a mother figure because, you know, the relationship between me and my mother is so stranded and so distant that I kind of look for those like present maternal roles to fill in for the lack there of a biological mom. So 
it felt like in a way I was kind of like disappointing her. And of course she, I don't think that she was genuinely disappointed. I mean, she's got kids of her own that, you know, are in college right now. Like she understands the struggle and she understands like what has to take precedent and what's more important. And she totally gets it. So I was like, look, I'm not quitting forever. Like just during school season, anytime I'm on break or someone is sick or you need, you know, someone wants to take a vacation, whatever it may be, like, call me, I'll be there. I'll be here. You know? Um, it just was something that I couldn't progress with every single week. It just wasn't good for my sanity. (laughs) Um, I have to run on more than four hours of sleep a night and I, I hate saying that, but it's very true. Um, so yeah, um, these last couple weeks have been, um, I don't want to say even stressful because it hasn't been like that stressful. It just is frustrating more than anything, feeling like I'm not doing well enough. Uh, because, you know, we are our own worst critics and Jake was home and he had his best friend come stay for, um, a few days and then, you know, he left and he went back to Oregon for a weekend for, uh, our buddy's bachelor party and then, you know, he came back with his nephew and, like, we've just been hosting and entertaining and, like, doing all of that. We haven't had any time to ourselves, so what is self-care to me? Self-care to me is... Making sure that your um, your nutrition is in line. It's making sure that you're getting enough sleep at night. It's making sure that you don't have any demons that are keeping you up at night. So demons as in, like, not only, obviously, my alcoholism, but um, demons as in, like, stabilizing any kind of conversation that could have been misconstrued or, you know making amends for anything that I've said or anything I've done in the day, basically. It's like this checklist that kind of like runs through my brain towards the end of the day. Um, if I say something to someone and I kind of feel weird about it, I always go back and redirect and, you know, apologize pre- kind of preemptively if, you know, it was misconstrued or, you know, if, if they feel okay about it, like, that's my end goal. I want to make sure that we're cool, we're civil, and we can move on. Like, that is what I have to do every single day, you know? I don't like going to bed angry. I don't like going to bed with things on my brain because then I can't sleep. And it, it manifests into these, like, nightmares or dreams that I have in my subconscious. And it kind of just, it'll ruin my whole next day. So... I know that for me, I have to make sure I'm cool with everyone. I have to make sure, like, I know what a game plan is for tomorrow, what I have going on for tomorrow. Like, wake up in the morning, do this, do this, do this. This is my me time. This is my study time. And then I'm going to sleep. You know what I mean? It's, It's kind of planning out one day at a time. And if you think about it as like a week at a time, it can be pretty overwhelming or a month at a time or, you know, it's important to have those goals, the goals of... The goals of, you know, your month or your six months or your year or five years, it's important to have those goals, but it's not something that you have to look at so intently, so under a microscope every single day. If you're doing the right things, if you are staying goal-oriented, if you're making the right steps every single day, the bigger goals will just come to you. They're, they're not really a lot of work. Um, so that's kind of what I'm, I'm finding out now. I guess one thing also that I wanted to touch on in this episode was 
and maybe this could go with self-care actually because it's important to maintain like a good image of yourself not for anyone else's sake but for your own sake um it's important to think that you're a good person it's it's important to think that you have things to offer and that you have value and that you you know can give things to people and and that you are important because you are important and don't fucking let anyone tell you otherwise (laughs) um I found myself discouraged last week, maybe, or the week before. Like, uh, I think it was last week. And it was really difficult for me because I feel like I'm in a really good place in my life. I'm doing things. I'm productive. I'm progressive in my goals and things like that. And I'm in a good place in my sobriety. And yeah, it just, it was really difficult being discouraged or, or feeling discouraged, rather, excuse me, um, because because who you are on paper is just that. It's who you are on paper. It's not who you are on the inside. It's not what you look like. It's not your personality. It's not your soul. It's not your your thoughts or your actions. It is simply a list of everything you've done, good and bad. Don't get me wrong on that. It's good and bad, who you are on paper. And really, that's even even saying just that is dependent upon like what kind of paper it is, right? Like whether it's like a background check or your resume or you know whatever it is, it's just that it's on paper, and it's kind of difficult for me, just because um, I feel like I have a lot to offer. I feel like I've come a long ways, but the people who look at you know my background check or they see the things that I've done in my past. Like when I was drinking, it's really difficult to move on past that. So even though I'm over four years sober now, they don't see that. They see, you know, my car accident or they see, you know, what's happened in my past. And it's so easy to get discouraged because, you know, I, I was feeling really strong and I was feeling really good and like things were like happening in my life. And, and then just like that, you get shut down. And it's, that is hands down my biggest insecurity. I would even, I would be really, really close to saying that that's my only insecurity is the things that I've done. Like me on paper in a negative light, uh, is my insecurity. So it's really difficult to move past that. And like, because, because that's all that some people see. They don't know you. They don't want to know you. They're going to do their jobs and they're going to see this. And that's all that they know of you. And it just can be a really difficult pill to swallow. So when that happened a couple weeks ago and I got really discouraged, I got really down on myself and thinking like, okay, well, here I am like trying to be this better person. And this thing from my past keeps looming over my head, right? It keeps looming over my head and it's now getting in the way of things that I want to do and goals that I want to accomplish. And confiding in my husband about that, he was like, look, I'm married to you. So I know what you've done. I know, you know, the person that you are today and we're going to get through it together. He's like, he's like, I am your best qualities and your worst qualities you know, we are a team. So we have to get through this together. And that is like, it was amazing. He's so good at like lifting me up when I really need it. Um, so yeah, we got through it and everything is fine. And, um, what else do I want to say about that? It just takes a lot of like positive affirmations. I think ultimately it was like, okay, even though, you know, one person, saw this and thinks that I'm this terrible person now or is like genuinely concerned for you know me or my welfare like I'm good (laughs) 
I'm going to keep doing me and I'm going to keep reaching those goals because that's what I have to do in life to be happy. You know, we have to keep doing what makes us happy. So, yeah, I don't know. I think it's so it's so easy to, to get discouraged in this life, you know, whether it's by someone who doesn't really matter or whether it's your husband or whether it's your boss or a family member or whatever, you know. Some people just, I don't know. I guess another thing I wanted to talk about also, uh, now that I'm thinking about it, was I had showed, a, I had, excuse me, I had shown a picture of the most recent tattoo I got on my Instagram page. And I had gotten a couple questions on that. Um, I got the Roman numeral four on my ring finger because it's very personal to me. Uh, And in reality, actually, every single tattoo that I have is very personal to me. It's not like I've ever picked a tattoo out of a book (laughs) um, or just, you know, picked it at random. Everything was very well thought out and very meticulous. Every tattoo that I have means something and I have a lot of tattoos. (laughs) So, this Roman numeral four that I got, obviously, is for my four years sober. I have a three, a three-year tattoo, and I have a one-year tattoo. I don't have a two-year tattoo, but there's a reason for that. And perhaps one day I'll make an episode about that, but the time is not now. Um, the Roman numeral four on my ring finger is specifically meant to go beneath my uh, wedding ring. And I did that for the purpose of um, I need to understand that my sobriety has to come before my marriage. And don't get me wrong, I love my husband. I love my marriage. I'm very happy. We are amazing together. We're a really, really great team. Um, But there was something that had happened earlier this year that drove me very close to the brink of relapsing. And it's a very dangerous thing to be so close to someone who is capable of making you feel like that. And I thought that I was really close and um, doing really well in my sobriety. And I was, you know, I had it all figured out. And I, I'm, perhaps maybe I got a little bit too comfortable. You know what I mean? Um, it's really important when you think that you have your sobriety figured out. Like, keep doing those self-checks. Keep doing that, like the moral inventories, they're important all the time. It's not just one thing that you can do once a year and you'd be like, yeah, I'm good. Like, it's something that you have to keep up with over a specific amount of time for as long as, ideally, as long as you want to be sober, you know? So, um, because I got so close to relapsing, thank God I didn't, but it's a very tempestuous thing. It's a very dangerous thing. You know, the potential of this hypothetical situation. So, um, I got it tattooed under my wedding ring as a reminder that my sobriety has to come first. That is like the ultimate, the number one of all things of self-care for me personally. Without my sobriety, I would be nowhere. I would be literally nowhere. I would probably still be in bend drinking, if not in prison or, you know, in jail or in a ditch somewhere or in a homeless shelter, who knows, you know, uh, I would not be where I am today for anything. So yeah, if you, uh, I've had a couple people actually reach out to me about this podcast because they're like, you know, damn, like I listen to your podcast and I think to myself, like I'm living my fucking life wrong. Or, um, I listen to your podcast and 
Um, you know, the way that you talk about how you used to drink and your triggers and your tendencies, like, I recognize those those things in my partner. I recognize those things in my significant other or a, a family member or something like that. And you guys, if you recognize symptoms of alcoholism or addiction, like, do something about it. Obviously, it takes the actual addict to have the nerve to get sober, but your actions and showing that you care and showing support for their sobriety, like, that fucking matters. Trust me, I'm telling you. Um, when I was getting sober, and this is not a pity party, I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad, but nobody gave a shit. My parents said that, you know, said that they gave a shit, but I really, really didn't feel like they did. And you have to feel it. You have to feel it. So, um, I'm not trying to, you know make anyone feel bad. I'm not trying to say that you're living your life wrong. Of course, I would never do that. Like, who the fuck am I to say that? You know what I mean? But like, if you feel like you need help or you feel like you want to be better in some way, like talk to me. You're all welcome to talk to me. Whoever the fuck listens to this podcast, which I still don't know um, because it doesn't tell me who listens. It just tells me the location of where you're listening. It You're always welcome to start a conversation with me. I'm super easy to talk to. So, I hope that this episode has helped whoever wants to listen or who is still dedicated to listening. That's fucking awesome. And um, I hope it's helped at all. I think another thing that, like, now I'm just realizing, like, helps with my self-care is um, cuddling my dog and hanging out and just, like, chilling on the couch hard. And, you know, putting my phone away. I uh, My phone can be a serious trigger of anxiety or, like, onset depression. Um, because I'll see something that I don't want to see or I'll read something that's depressing or something I didn't want to read or whatever it may be. I get a work email that's like, you know, some bullshit, (laughs) uh, something I didn't want to see essentially. And so, you know, we have to be aware of how those things feed into our subconscious and what we're actively letting into our brains. So yeah, cuddling an animal definitely will do it I've been known to take extremely extremely hot showers um kind of just helps to like clear my head or you know kind of remove myself from any kind of situation like kind of helps me feel not present which can be really nice at times to feel not present just kind of like get away from your you know your responsibilities and and things like that so yeah, those are just some things that have worked for, for me. So, yeah, let me know. I'd be curious to hear about what works for you guys. So, um, thanks for listening. I will be back next week. And um, I hope you guys have an amazing week. I hope you guys have had an amazing couple weeks thus far. And I will see you next time. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Dejan Tondu Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, all of those things, of course. And stay humble and stay motivated. Mm-hmm.